Rooster Tail Talk, a podcast dedicated to everything related to the sport we all love, hydroplane racing. I'm your host, David Newton, and it's time once again, so sit back, relax, and welcome to Rooster Tail Talk. It's August 16th, 2022, and this is episode 94. Last week in episode 93, we recapped and revisited the last two races on the H1 Unlimited Tour, the Columbia Cup over in Tri-Cities, and Seafair in Seattle. With the short racing season, we have four of the five races completed. We have about a month to wait until boats are on the water in Mission Bay for San Diego Bay Fair. I don't know about you, but I miss the racing action, and I want to see more. So we're going to go back to 1984 and revisit a classic race over in Seattle, Washington. Before I talk about the race... I want to thank John Osterberg of P.O. Point Publishing, the author of Dragon Days, which is now available on Amazon for your Kindle and e-reader devices. If you haven't read Dragon Days, it's a great read about the Miss Bartle legacy of hydroplane racing and what it meant as a kid to grow up in the Seattle area and follow hydroplane racing and what kind of impact that had on the generation in the Pacific Northwest. John is a lifetime hydroplane racing fan, and if you haven't heard my interview with him, go back to episode 49 and you can hear me talk with John and to learn more about his book, Dragon Days. Dragon Days is a great addition for every hydroplane fan's archives, and if you have not read it yet, I highly recommend you add that to your list. If you're not sure where to find it, you can look on Amazon and search Dragon Days or look in the bio for this episode where I'll drop a link for the book. Read it and you can thank me later. But John, I really appreciate you preserving this history and sharing the digital format of this final heat for the 1984 7-11 Freedom Cup. The Seafair in 1984 on August, it was held on August 5th, and it drew over 200,000 fans to the shorelines of Lake Washington. Believe it or not, 17 boats actually entered the race and attempted to qualify. Back in 1984, I consider this the last true year of unlimiteds in my opinion what the term unlimiteds actually means can be diverged in a whole other episode but 17 boats entered the pits and they were of all kind of shapes and sizes there were some backyard builds there was the newest technology being used not so much aerodynamics being in play yet we wouldn't see that for a few years but i think the only thing missing other than the aerodynamics element that we would see later on is the drivers being in an enclosed capsule. There were so many different power plants being used in this year. There was uh, outboard engines, there was turbine engines, there was the Griffins, Merlins, Allisons, turbocharged Allisons, and at some point there was even automotive engines being attempted this year in 1984. In the pits we saw the brand new Turbine Atlas van lines that was just finished by Jim Lucero, one of three boats he built before the season started. Atlas started the year late, but they were breaking records and winning races right off the bat. Bob Styles' U2 Squire Shop, which he pulled Mickey Riemann out of retirement to drive one last year, which may have been the Squire Shop Racing's best year of all. They won a couple races, set some qualifying throughout the season, and made their presence known that year, and even had a bid for the high points for most of the year, before a few bad races on the west swing of the circuit. The Detroit-based team, Miss Renault, owned by Jerry Shaneth, with E. Milner-Irvin at the wheel, previous 1983's world champion team, 
The Miss Madison Owned Racing U6 American Speedy Printing, driven by Ron Snyder. The brand new Lucero Belt Light All-Star, uh, owned from Texas native Bob Taylor, with legendary driver Tom DeEath at the wheel. The third boat built by Jim Lucero in the winter, the Miss Executone, was owned by Seattle native Bill Wooster, with part owner George Johnson at the wheel. The new team out of Kent, that, or that bought out the Pain Pack Racing Team, the U10 Miss Tostiosti, owned by Steve Woomer and driven by legendary racer Steve Reynolds. Will Muncie's U11 Waterworks Parked was the, uh, the son of the late Bill Muncie, attempted to qualify in Seattle. The U12 Miss Budweiser, with the aging hull, it was almost five years old at this point. It was a little overweight. It was over its prime. It was kind of an underdog for that year, but won a lot of races. Driven by legendary driver Jim Cropfelt. You had the U13, a brand new hull from Stoddicker, of the Frank Kenny Toyota, owned by Jerry Kenny, and driven by Earl Hall. The backyard build Tempest U17 with Chuck Hickling as the owner. You had Bill McFadden's U20 Miss Machine Rock Band, driven by Jerry Hopp. You had one of my favorites, the U21 Miss Island Security Systems, which was owned by Rick Bowles, driven by Chelan native Mitch Evans. You had the U22 Spirit of Detroit, owned by Jim Sedan, driven by Todd Yarling. The U40 Old Boy Alberto, Fred Leland Hall, the all-aluminum boat that was built in 82, driven by young Scott Pierce. You had the U77 Miss Rock KISW FM, which was the second boat owned by Fred Leland. I think that was new in 84. Um, and was driven by Fred Leland as well. And then you finally had the U80 Round Nose, last Round Nose to ever compete, um, out of California, owned by Bob Patterson, driven by Ron Armstrong, which had those perfectly timed turbocharged, turbocharged Allison engines. So you had a full field here. Um, hard to believe with the, the boat counts we have had recently, but 17 boats in the pits, a full pits, uh, which they, I think they only took the top 14 to enter the race, and 12 of which scored points. Now it dwindled down to six for the final heat. The final heat consisted of the Atlas, the Tostiosti, the Budweiser, Executone, Old Boy Alberto, and Spirited of Detroit. This was kind of at the end of the Piston era, and that's kind of what, what I'm talking about with the last year in my mind for Unlimiteds, because in this year there were so many designs being tried, there were so many different power plants being used, and this was before everyone latched on to the turbines and went that direction. So as a fan, back in 1984, I'm sure it was awesome to see all these different things being used and all these different power plants being used on the water. A couple other notable things for this race in 1984, Vice President George Bush actually attended the race had Secret Service with him, and they got a tour of the Miss Budweiser. And there's a famous shot by Bill Osborne of Vice President George Bush in the cockpit, sitting in the boat while it's on the stand, joking about taking it out for a spin. I'm always in awe back in the day when celebrities and some big names went to the races, but it shows the significance of hydroplane racing. I've looked back at some other races recently and saw... I've been surprised to see who's been in attendance at those races. But Vice President George Bush was at this race, which I believe he was friends with Bernie Little, right? So Bernie Little, it shows another significance that Bernie had and how much attention he drew to the sport. 
This recording of the radio broadcast was done by KKMI 96.5, and it was done by an icon in hydroplane announcing. When you think about hydroplane announcers, you might think of the names and the greats like Bill Amara, Don Poyer, Steve Montgomery, Dick Crippen, Jim Hendrick, Bill Weber. But this race was announced by the legendary Pat O'Day. Pat was a disc jockey in the Seattle area for KJR in the 50s and 60s and brought a lot of attention to rock and roll in the Seattle area. As he was a legend in those rights, he was also a legend in the Seattle area for announcing hydroplane racing. He first started announcing hydroplane racing in 1963, and he announced for 50 years from 1963 to 2013. Pat was a huge supporter of hydroplane racing. He owned a boat for a few years in the 70s and 80s, but I think he really enjoyed announcing the races most of all. All right, so strap yourselves in, get ready, because we're going to time travel back to August 5th, 1984, as we listen to the final heat of the 7-Eleven Freedom Cup on the shores of Lake Washington. Okay, we're down to two minutes and 10 seconds before the start. And it'll be interesting to see if Chip Hanauer goes way to the outside and stays out of the rooster tails. As I mentioned, these turbines and rooster tails don't make a good combination. You get too much water in those giant air intakes and you'll put out the candle and feel the rest of the heat. Also, Steve Reynolds, the unknown. How fast will the Tosti Asti go? We haven't really been able to see so far yet this year. We've seen qualifying speeds of 134 and 135 from the boat. Due to conditions and circumstances and all kinds of flukes, he hasn't really been able to put on the show in competition. But this may be the heat that we, when we find out how fast is that former pay pack, the Tosti Asti turbine-powered, driven by Steve Reynolds. Now, as you look at the Executone and the uh, Atlas, they're both the same colors. They both have the same wing. They're both Jim Lucero boats. The way to tell them apart, if you're here on the shore watching, is to look for that big black air intake on the side of the Atlas. It's the one that has that big black square air intake. That's the only way, really, you can tell the two boats apart. Okay, we're down to the one-minute gun. It's coming up, and there it is. The one-minute gun is fired. They're all grouping up on the other side. The yes, they are grouping up on the other side. Again, Budweiser's in that same position. Patty's on the inside going slow, up there leading the pack. And we'll see if he's able to hold on to it. That sometimes works, that sometimes doesn't. We've got the binoculars on the entire field. The Budweiser now goes by the entrance buoy, moving very slowly. We're coming up to the entrance buoy at the floating bridge turn, moving very slowly on the inside. The rest of the field is uh, behaving strangely. Somebody is crossing rooster tails back behind. I don't know who that is. They've got themselves in a weird spot, but they're trying to grab the middle between the Budweiser. Three of them in the head. And the Atlas. The Atlas is uh, going to come through they're early. Somewhere. They are early. They are early. They're quite early. I don't know where uh, Chip is. He's in the middle of the sprays there somewhere. Chip's in lane The two. Budweiser has the lead. It's a good start. Got the Budweiser off. charges, and here comes Hanauer out of the pack. Hanauer accelerating, chasing the Budweiser, going to the south turn. Jack Brow, they're coming at you. They're coming at me hard, Pat. It's a Budweiser lifting up a little bit as he sets up for this turn. 
and Chip is right on his hip as they come in this turn. The Tostiosti coming in in third place that. As they're grounding that turn, I think that Chip has got the horsepower. The Budweiser's dropping a little bit. Hanauer, Here comes the Atlas. Hanauer passes the Budweiser in the back stretch, but it's a heck of a race going on. It's Hanauer on the outside in the Atlas. It's the Budweiser on the inside with Jim Cropfield. They're screaming down that back stretch. Hanauer to the outside, Budweiser on the inside, Hanauer leading by about 10 boat lengths. They down near that floating bridge turn buoy. The number three boat appears to be the Tosti Asti at this point. Number four boat is the uh, Executone. Through the turn, it's Hanauer on the outside still and the Budweiser on the inside. Here they come and I'm gonna give you this lap time in just a moment but it's incredibly fast the atlas has the lead by 12 boat lengths the speed 133.928 miles an hour 133 he's going dead he's going dead has lost it Hanauer's lost it and the budweiser's pulled into the lead it's your turn jack it's the budweiser pulling out pat Oh no, Chip has got to be disappointed that Atlas is running so great, but now it's all Bernie Little's Miss Budweiser. The Budweiser has the lead coming off the exit buoy. The Atlas had just turned a lap at 133 miles an hour. But now for the moment it's the Budweiser show. The Budweiser's halfway down the back stretch, one and a half laps into this five lap boat heat. Second place boat is the Tosti Asti. Third place is, uh, you call them down there, Jack. Third place is the Executone Pat with the Spirit of Detroit pulling the fourth with the old boy Alberto coming around the corner now in fifth, and he's bobbling a little bit, Pat. He may not make it. Well, Chip Hanauer has to be disappointed. We said if the Hanauer could keep it running, if the turbine didn't break, he would win. Well, he didn't keep it running, and the Budweiser has the lead. Here he comes down to complete the second lap. Jim Cropfield in Bernie Little's Budweiser leading the national point chase and leading this the final heat of the 7-Eleven Freedom Cup. The, lot, the speed on the second lap is 122.813 miles an hour. And Chip Hanauer, disappointed, sits on the race course, not moving. The Atlas, something went wrong. The second place boat is still the Tosti Asti. Steve Reynolds, 116 miles an hour. Down to your turn, Jack Brown. Yes, and it's Bernie Little's Miss Budweiser flawlessly coming through this corner, Pat, with Steve Reynolds and the Tostiosity running second and the Executone pulling a third. Poor Chip is standing on the deck looking under the cowling, and you can see disgust all over his face, Pat. The Budweiser has completed half of the heat. He's halfway through the back stretch right now, heading down to the floated bridge. In second place is still the Tosti Asti with Steve Reynolds, and it looks like he's going to be content with second. The third place boat is uh, the Executone, and George Johnson is chasing the Tosti Asti and Steve Reynolds right now. The number four boat is still the Old Boy Alberto, and number five is the Spirit of Detroit, the Joe Ritchie Spirit of Detroit, driven by Todd Yarling. And now the Budweiser leaves the exit buoy, coming down to complete lap number three. In just a moment, he'll have two laps to go before winning the 7-Eleven Freedom Cup in Seattle. His third lap speed, 114 miles an hour. He's not being pushed at all, so he has slowed down considerably. The second place boat is still the Tosti Asti. The difference between the two boats, probably a thousand yards. Steve Reynolds completes lap number two at 110 miles an hour. 
George Johnson completes lap number three at 110 miles an hour. I should have said lap number three on the Tosti Asti. Now the Budweiser's running smoothly up the back stretch, but the fight for one and two goes on. Jack Brow, they're in your Seward Park turn. Yes, and it's Stevie Reynolds hitting that turn first, Pat. He's coming in, he's reaching the top of the pin, and George Johnson bouncing side to side, but he's keeping his foot right in there. But the Tosti Asti is running pretty good, Pat, holding that second place spot and going strong and pulling away right now. In the meantime, the lead boat, the Budweiser, now in his fourth lap, is nearing the entrance buoy at the floating bridge turn. The boat's riding beautifully. Jim Cropfell just has to keep that mighty Merlin running, and he's got himself a beautiful big cash purse out of Seattle, and he'll have a total of 1,200 more points going toward that national title for Bernie Little's Budweiser, which would be miraculous for this boat to win the national title with the likes of turbine boats like the Atlas and last year's national champion, which is now the Squire, still in the running. A miraculous performance for Bernie, for Cropfield, and for the crew. There's lap number four for the Budweiser, 106 miles an hour. He's got two and a half miles more to go, and he's got himself the 7-Eleven Freedom Cup on Lake Washington this Sunday afternoon. He's going to lap the Budweiser, or the uh, Orberto. Second place boat is still Steve Reynolds, Tosti Asti. His last lap, 112, as he's gaining on the Bud just a little bit. Third place is George Johnson. He's fallen back a little bit. His last lap was at 110. Now we're in the final lap. Through your turn, Jack. <coughs> yes, and Steve Reynolds does have the Tosti Asti holding in the second place, and Jim Cropfield has just slapped the Oberto as they're going up the back chute. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the last year that you will see Bernie Little running this boat, but look at it for the last time as a Budweiser, riding beautifully the many, many thrills that boat has given us here on this lake. That mighty beer wagon has broken the record book time after time after time. Yes, that next year it'll be a new boat for Bernie, probably a turbine. But for this year, flying gloriously around this lake and bringing home the big trophy this afternoon, it looks like it'll be Jim Cropfield. It looks like it'll be Bernie Little's magnificent Griffin-powered Budweiser. As here he comes. Off the exit buoy. He's got 300 yards. He's got 200 yards. He's got 100 yards. Ladies and gentlemen, the Budweiser, Jim Cropfield is the winner. And congratulations to Bernie Little. And in second place comes Steve Reynolds. And this is a great day for him and his tosty asty. His best performance of the year. Steve Reynolds crosses the line. His last lap at 108. The Bud's last lap at 110. At third place, Executone Telephone, George Johnson gets the checkered flag. And out on the course still is the spirit of Detroit coming up the back stretch with Todd Yarling, as well as the old boy Alberto with Scott Pierce, which is in fifth. And uh, gone and down in the water, but not forgotten, is the man who really felt that he would be in the winner's circle. And had he kept running, I don't think we could question that he turned the first lap at 133.928 miles an hour. The magnificent Jim Lucero, Fran Muncy, Chip Hanauer driven Atlas Van Lines was just not to be fortunate enough to have that turbine keep running today. And what a tragedy because we missed a sensational show that was bound to develop between Chip Cropfield and uh, between Chip Hanauer during the final four and a half laps. Anyway, a record was set. I believe that is a lap record in competition here, 133.928 for Chip Hanauer. I think that scrubs the old record for the fastest lap on Lake Washington. 
Todd Yarling has received the checkered flag. The Joe Ritchie Spirit of Detroit is your fourth place finisher. And uh, out there on the course still, we have Scott Pierce. Scott Pierce in the Oboe Alberto. And he's coming around. If he keeps it running, it'll be a very, very pleasing and satisfying fifth place finish for that crew that worked hard, has had a lot of bad luck. The boat has been sideways, upside down, every way but right all season long. But this day, things are going to be better, and they are. Fifth place goes to Scott Pierce and the old boy, Oberto. So your final finish again is the Budweiser, is the Tosti Asti and Steve Reynolds, is the Executone with George Johnson, is the Spirit of Detroit, and finally, the old boy, Oberto with Scott Pierce. Let's go to the pits. Well, this is Dennis. We're here on the pier where the Budweiser will be coming in. Of course, it's uh, not into the pitch yet, and uh, what a crowd we have around here waiting. Uh, Jim Crumfield, who has raced off the pier each time this, this today when he has come in, uh, will not get through this crowd, I can guarantee you that. Well, Dennis, we got Jim in front of us right now. The Budweiser's uh, slowly cruising in that magnificent U-12, and as we were telling the fans, watch it as it makes its last cruise down the shoreline here. That's the last time you'll ever see that boat as a Budweiser, but what thrills it has given us over the years, and what a great driving job today for Jim Cropfell. Pat, you know, uh, George Johnson also has been doing uh, rather well this season with a second place finish in the Tri-Cities, and now a third place finisher in this race, and we'll get down and try to talk to George here in a while. Good, it has been an exciting year for the Executone. Jack Brow, thank you up there in the South Turn, or down there in the South Turn, for another magnificent day and an accident-free day and an injury-free day. Pat, it's been a good race. Uh, we saw a lot of good action. Unfortunately, the action that we were hoping for between the Budweiser and the Atlas only lasted one lap. But I really believe Seattle got their, got their money's worth again this year. And we saw a lap of 133 miles an hour, and that's sensational. That first lap between the Budweiser and the Atlas, that was hydroplaning excitement at its very, very best. Jack, again, thank you. This is your 12th year. Will you make it 13 next year? I wouldn't miss it, Pat. We'll be looking forward to we'll it. We'll be looking forward to being here. I'll let you lower your cherry picker and head for home and see if you can beat a little of the traffic. Thank <laughs> okay. you, Jack Brow. Okay, now back to the pits. The Budweiser was just pulled in, and uh, Dennis Wills. Jim Cropville has been replaced by a giant can of Budweiser in the cockpit. And uh, Jim is being congratulated by owner <laughs> Bernie Little and everybody else out on the end of the pier. And uh, it'll be a while before he makes his way in here, but they're all uh, giving him a hand. In fact, the Budweiser crew turning and giving a hand to the Tosti Asti as it comes into the pier for the fine job that uh, Steve Reynolds and the crew did with that boat. And we'll be talking to Jim Crumfield in uh, just a couple of minutes here on the pier. Again, the final results. Uh, the Budweiser's the winner. Jim Cropfield, the driver. Bernie Little, the owner, picking up 1,200 points and pulling farther ahead of the rest of the pack in the chase for the national championship today. The number two went to the executive Executone Telephone, the Bill Wooster-owned boat driven by George Johnson, sponsored by Executone Telephone Company, and they continue to climb in national points after uh, they mentioned in the pits a second place at Pasco and now a third place today. The second place boat, of course, was Tosti Asti. I got that turned around. That's exactly. Yeah, but that's okay. You corrected it. Uh, Tosti Asti, Steve Reynolds, and uh, his best showing so far. Fourth place to a uh, very courageous young guy, Todd Yarling, in the Spirit of Detroit. And fifth place to Scott Pierce in his old boy, Alberto. And sixth place 
to a very disappointed Chip Hanauer, who just now has had the tow line put on his beautiful new Atlas fan lines. He'll go back to the trader. He'll sit down with Lucero and say, Jim, what in the hell happened this time anyway? <laughs> and you watch it, because they're going to get that boat together. And when that boat is all together, we've seen it perform. It's a brand new world in unlimited hydroplane racing next year. Next year, if you can't run a competition lap at 130 miles an hour, you're in a world of hurt out there on those courses around the country. Well, it's still speed versus dependability. Uh, when you're talking the turbos against the uh, the props. You know? In our pre-race broadcast, we said if Atlas didn't win, it'd either be the Squire or the Bud, and it was the Bud that came in with that big dependable Griffin to the pits again. All right, we're here with Jim Cromfield in the middle of the interview right now, just starting. I saw somebody, I saw something come off the back of his boat and probably out of his engine. That's when he quit. You were pretty steady the whole way through. So, Jim, as far as your concern, when you went by Chip Hanauer in that first lap, did you, in the second lap, actually, did you have an inkling that that was it for him? Yes, I, uh, I was about five boat lengths behind him, and I saw something fly off the back of his uh, boat. It probably came out of the engine. It was it looked like a chunk of metal, about six inches square, and I knew he was done for something there. Jim Cropfield just said that a piece flew off of the Atlas van lines in his interview. He was following right behind it. A piece <laughs> flew off the Atlas, and that's when Chip shut it down. Possibly part of the engine disintegrated. Well, I hope you've enjoyed our episode. Make sure you come back next week to listen to our next episode. We release new episodes every Tuesday at 5 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Also, don't forget to hit that subscribe button on your podcast player, as well as rate and review your experience. For more updates on Hydro News, check us out on social media. We're on the major players, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Rooster Tail Talk is also online with our website, www.roostertailtalk.com. On the website, you can sign up for an email subscription list to get notifications on upcoming episodes, Hydro News, podcast updates, and much, much more. Finally, this is a free podcast to all of our listeners. And if you're really enjoying your experience and want to help us to continue to grow and expand, please donate. You can find a link to donate through PayPal on our website through the support tab. So until next time, I hope to see you at the races.